So I feel like I want to carry on on the the theme of uh, of the heart and and love and cultivating wholesome qualities. And uh, you know, this path is, a, as I said before, is a, is about cultivation. It's about letting go. So in a way, it's like we start with letting go of the bad habits that pull us back, the harmful tendencies. And the five precepts are a a kind of a protection for us so as not to kind of go too far off and to establish a, a good foundation for our practice and for our life and for our relationships with others. So we begin by um, recognizing the, the harmful tendencies that we may have uh, learned or come in with or developed or any combination of those in a lifetime. And we recognize that you know we have a chance to transform those. We don't have to just follow the same old habits, even though it can be hard work changing them. So we, we let go of what is pulling us back, what is dragging us down, what is cluttering our heart and mind. And we cultivate uh, the wholesome qualities, the, the beautiful, the generous, the expansive, the present qualities. And, uh, you know, it can seem like this is about, you know, this is like a a becoming perfect project, you know, to to trying to become a perfect person. And it's very much not what it's about. You know, as a person or a personality, we're never going to be perfect. Personalities by their nature are imperfect, just as bodies are imperfect, and everything in samsara is imperfect. So it's all changing, it's all falling apart. It's, uh, it has imperfection in, built into the system. So to try to make um, the personality perfect is a, an exhausting and uh, eventually a bit fruitless exercise. But to uh, transform the the obscurations of the heart and mind to recognize what is obscuring this uh, the the radiance that can come through this being you your particular instrument to recognize what's obscuring that <coughs> and to work on um, knowing those obscurations and letting them go and um, cultivating good qualities is is a worthwhile project. It's an essential part of the path. And then eventually we have to let it all go. So the, you know, refraining from doing harm and doing good, cultivating the good, are supports for letting go. They're not an end in and of themselves. But without them, it's very hard to to come to a place of letting go. 
and you know we we grew up in cultures of um, you know every every culture has its good good sides and its and its uh, very limiting sides. And the Buddha was, you know, in a way, creating a new culture in in his time in India. He did literally create a different culture within, like a, a subculture within the culture that was dominant there, where there was quite strong um, caste system, uh, racial oppression, warring. Uh, there, were, there was, you know, there were people with enormous amounts of money, and and there were poor people, there were people who were enslaved, um, there were uh, women who were kept in harems, who didn't get to go out and see the light of day, you know, there's, um, there were, it was not a perfect society by any stretch of the imagination, and uh, he created this subculture in a way, Buddhist subculture, in India, the monastic culture and the and the lay community, the upasika, the upasikas, those who are practicing in family life. So he established this this um, kind of alternative culture where value was given to a person's ethics and to a person's uh, conduct and wisdom. So these were the, the qualities, and these are the qualities that uh, truly shine, you know, truly, uh, regardless of, of, any, of a social standing or um, health or illness, age, ability, disability, race, gender, all of the, anything, the, the true beautiful, noble qualities are those of one's conduct, how one meets the world, and uh, one's ethics, and the insight that may have arisen within the, the heart and mind of any individual. So he was very clear about this, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't just a, a, a position he was taking, but more like illuminating a truth. That was that was lost in society. So much of the Buddha's teaching is guiding us to come back to find those noble qualities in ourselves. And uh, it can be a struggle at times. And it's a, it's a very worthwhile struggle. So don't be put off if it's hard work. And. Um, it may be that at times we feel like giving up, you know, it's, maybe it's just not worth it, maybe I just want to just enjoy myself, you know, have a nice time and, you know, die when it's time to die. I mean, what is all this hard work, these Buddhists make it so hard? Uh, well, maybe we've done that a few times already. <laughs> maybe we've been around a while. And, uh, and there's something that knows, well, maybe that's really not it. I certainly uh, started off uh, in that way in my life, thinking, oh, that's the way, you know, party and have fun and and, uh, and just try and get away from those difficult things. 
it's uh, it's a bit of a fruitless pursuit. <laughs> so, um, turning towards the the source of the the trouble, which is in our own heart and mind, and recognizing that we can we can transform that. We we are empowered to transform that. It's it's a wonderful thing. So I have a few things I wanted to read, and I think I'm going to begin with Bell Hooks, because we just recently lost Bell Hooks from the world, that great light. And Bell, among her many other um, strengths and, and gifts, um, Bell Hooks recognized uh, the, a particular aspect of the Buddha's teaching that was not really lifted up in in Western society, and that was the quality of love. And so uh, she recognized that, there, that this is actually essential, and took that on, not just uh, speaking about it, but took that on as a practice over decades of, of cultivating a true, deep love. And this is... Um, a little post-it that I've had on my wall for a very long time. I keep it on my wall because I need to keep reminding myself. It's a training for me. <coughs> and she wrote, The moment we choose love, we begin to move against domination, against oppression. The moment we choose love, we begin to move toward freedom to act in ways that liberate ourselves and others. I'm going to read that again. The moment we choose love, we begin to move against domination and oppression. The moment we choose love, we begin to move toward freedom, to act in ways that liberate ourselves and others. To me, this is a very profound statement because it's uh, it's pointing to the the oppression and domination of a society that we may have grown up in, and it also points to the oppression and domination that can happen within ourselves, the way we can meet our experience or even how we can meet the practice, try to control and suppress and dominate and. And uh, so she's pointing to this transformative power of love, if we can meet our experience with love. And I, I keep this on my wall because it's so easy to slip into the domination and oppression pattern, having you know grown up in a society where that's pretty normal. Um, it's, uh, it takes some undoing. And what's, what's beautiful to me about this quote is that it's, uh, you know, love is the key. It it's sort of melts everything. And we can pick up the practice in, the, in this way of, you know, self-flagellating. Um, controlling, criticizing, condemning, you know. And we can do that. And then we're missing the freedom, we're missing the, the tenderness, we're miss, missing the kindness, and the, and the empowerment, really, that the Buddha was pointing to. 
So this is a, a quote from uh, the Majjhima Nikaya 19, and uh, I will I will list the quotes. I don't actually have the reference for Bell Hooks's quote, but I, I'll, I can write it in the chat, and uh, and also we will put up the any references that we that we have. And this is so. This is from Majjhima Nikaya 19, and this is the Buddha speaking about before he was enlightened. And he's talking to a group of, uh, of practitioners. So he says, Before my enlightenment, while I was still an unenlightened bodhisattva, it occurred to me, suppose that I divide my thoughts into two classes. Then I set on one side thoughts of sensual desire, thoughts of ill will, and thoughts of harming. And I set on the other side thoughts of renunciation, letting go, thoughts of benevolence, and thoughts of harmlessness. And then he talks about dwelling ardent and resolute with this practice, not just thinking about it and like, oh yeah, I'll do that, you know, but really like staying with it, noticing when those thoughts of harm arise, when those thoughts of wanting to indulge in sensuality arise, when those thoughts of uh, um, ill will or harm arise. So recognizing, and, and it's, there's something also quite, um, I don't know, helpful in a way that the, you know, the Buddha's talking about before he was enlightened, this is what was going on in the mind, you know, these thoughts were coming up, thoughts of wanting to harm, thoughts of ill will, thoughts of sensuality, and you know, thoughts of letting go, thoughts of benevolence, thoughts of compassion, and, uh, and dividing them out, recognizing, okay, these take you this direction and these take you this direction. Which direction do I want to go? So, you know, the, the mind, the, ten, the, the nature of the mind is to think, the mind will keep on coming up with thoughts and uh, it's not that we can stop that happening or that we're even meant to stop that happening but it's about getting clear having clarity and discernment about what is actually going on and what are we what are we nourishing with our attention what are we feeding with our attention with our sati so are we feeding uh, judgment, criticism, blame, fear, desire, jealousy, confusion? You know, are we feeding those things, or are we? Oh, it, and and I just want to be clear about the use of attention. So there's when out when we're just running along with those qualities, then we're feeding them. And we're buying into them. We're becoming them. We're letting them. We're letting them steer steer the ship, so to speak. But if we can hold steady and have awareness and know them, and know what they are and where they lead, so awareness is like a light, like a clarity, seeing. When we can have that clear knowing, then we have a choice. We don't have to just follow them along. 
we can uh, we can stay steady and watch the pull of those feelings or the the pain of those feelings of those thoughts and choose not to follow them choose to let them kind of die here in the heart in the mind or we may want to kind of push them out of the way and put something more wholesome in instead that can also be a helpful practice putting one thought in place of another so so actively cultivating wholesome thoughts wholesome intentions and uh, likewise with whole, with uh, with the wholesome states with the wholesome thoughts thoughts of renunciation or letting go thoughts of benevolence and um, and compassion often we don't even notice you know we might not notice them so we need to bring our awareness to those too you know to notice when the wholesome is already present and uh, and nourish them with our attention so it's so easy just to kind of slide towards the, all the things that are wrong and and brush away all the things that are good you know so we need to turn that around do the opposite bring in appreciate the things that are good and uh, not brush away the things that are wrong but understand and uh, see the harm in following thoughts that are based in in greed in hatred and and in wishes you know in, in wish wish wishes for harm and and in ill will so to get to know the mind you know it's, if we if we take it all too personally we, we can't allow ourselves to get to know what's going on it's too uh, it's too difficult so you have to understand that you know these thoughts are coming through. They've got causes and conditions, and um, we can we can transform. We can transform the heart and mind. And it, it's not that all of the unwholesome unwholesome thoughts are going to go away necessarily, probably, but uh, that we we know that we don't have to feed them. That we can just go. Oh, it's you again. Mm-hmm. You know, Mara was coming to the Buddha throughout his awakened life. So it's not that these things are going to necessarily be gone, but they're not going to have the power that they used to have when we followed them, believed in them, took them to be who and what we are. So the reflection that the Buddha had around those thoughts were recognizing that um, you know the the harmful thoughts lead to this so this leads to my own affliction to the fl- affliction of others to the affliction of both and recognizing that you know is a motivation to let go and uh, with the with the wholesome thoughts you know, this leads to my benefit, to the benefit of others, to, ben- to the benefit of both. And then that's the, the incentive to appreciate and cultivate them. So most likely on this retreat, you know, there will be thoughts coming up from time to time. So to just to get to know what is going on, 
What are you feeding? What are you nurturing with your attention? So the power is in your hands. And uh, the work is each of ours to do. So I hope uh, that this will be a fruitful few days as we come to the end of 2021 and into the unknown of 2022. So for that this morning.